This book, this is not a book to be skimmed or speed read, but one to be savored and pondered as Jackie looks through the lens of scripture and her own journey to unpack such realities as fatherlessness, abuse, same-sex attraction, identity, temptation, fighting loss with the gospel and misconceptions of womanhood. This book is not to be skimmed or speed read. So says the lady who wrote the foreword to Good Girl, Gay Girl, Good God by Jackie Hugh Perry. I like this book. I like, 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 like this book. But let's shove my feelings and get right to it. Page 38, you know how this goes. I share my notes. We talk about it. We learn some things. Um, The first five or four notes are just very random things like she was introducing the book so she was talking about random things but i found them interesting so i highlighted them and made notes about them so the first one satan on the other hand that's you know they've talked about somebody else so satan on the other hand only told me to do what felt good or what made sense to me so i think what i got from that i've been learning recently that or learning more definitely that um most of the time, when you shift away from God, no matter what it is that you go into, whatever it is, any other thing that you go into, that later becomes an idol. Or maybe not even the idol. Like when you shift away and you start to put yourself at the center of everything, you know, you care about your, you think that your thoughts and feelings and opinions are alpha and they should be taken, you know, like the arm of God. When you start to think that way, you have shifted away from your point of reference being God or being the gospel. Okay, you've shifted away from that. And when your God is no longer your point of reference, you find something else to put as your point of reference. You know that thing that tells you, okay, um, but I feel this way, so I should definitely act this way. Your feelings, your point of reference. You're not saying, oh, good. so God says this, so I should act this way, I should behave this way you have put yourself in that place of idol or you've put something else that's basically the definition of idol but i like that she mentioned that it reminded me i like that lesson the next one is on page 39 and it says yet unbelief doesn't see god as the ultimate good <sighs> why <laughs> um unbelief doesn't see god i'm a christian i think that's obvious now Unbelief doesn't see God as the ultimate good, so it can't see sin as the ultimate evil. You get it. In, it instead sees sin as a good thing, and thus God's commands as a stumbling block to joy. I have spoken to many of my um, quote-unquote unbeliever friends, non-believer friends, and that's usually what they say. I was not happy when I was serving God. You know, and then I left all of that and I became happy. I was like, I'm happy now. I'm living my life. You know, that's what they say. Um, so what they've done, not to judge them, but what they've done is they have stopped seeing God as the ultimate good. You know, they've, they've just seen all that things as the ultimate good. <laughs> um, one time i don't know where when or why i wrote it but it's written on my wall with red um nail polish sin is unbelief i thought at that moment that it wasn't it wasn't so many things like it wasn't um 
like most of the sins that we have stems from just us not believing in God. And sometimes as Christians, we believe in God, but we don't believe God in a particular aspect. So we probably get proud or we get angry or we get arrogant or we lose our um, humility because we stop believing God in one particular as- aspect. So sin sin is ultimately unbelief. Like when you don't trust God enough to do some things, you know, when you want to be in charge of some things, when you think you are the best version of good, you know, when God is actually the best version of good. The best version of good. Next one is on page 41. Being born human meant that I had the capacity for affection and logic. Being born sinful meant both were inherently broken. That hits me really hard. <laughs> Being born human um, meant that I had the capacity. She was talking about um, Adam and Eve here when you know they disobeyed God and you know they they both died because what God said they would die die if they were to eat the fruit and they died you know that separation from God which we know as death like Christians know as death um, because you're no longer with God so you are dead in some part of your life and that's what it means so being human meant and we inherited that you know we inherited that from our father Abraham not Abraham Adam, <laughs> the first Adam, sure. I don't know if you should call him our father now. Um, being born human means that I had the capacity for affection and logic, the way God created us. But it also meant that we were born sinful and we were born broken. Um, I think that one kind of explains itself. But I want to say that the the argument for sometimes what I see anyway, the argument for that is like you know love is always love so you have affection you should always be affectionate you should love people your love should go wide and broad you know you should cover everyone no matter what gender that is quite true that is true not even quite that is true but um there's there's something about your affection spilling over and like you have to be mindful of good like you have to be mindful of good and by good yeah i mean god you have to be mindful of god like he's the one that loves us the most we can't no matter how much you want to wave your flag and say oh i love you or i do this i i hate you so much i will accept you no matter what you do god is the ultimate good and no matter how much you love somebody you cannot love them more than god does you can't love somebody more than how much god loves them you can't it's impossible so and then if the person that is telling you that he loves you the most is telling you some things i think you start to care what they think because you know that ultimately everything is for your good but people's arguments usually comes from they don't know if christian's argument anyway i've not got i've not read the books on um i've not read the books that say that god supports homosexuality largely in this book um Jackie Hill is just sharing her testimony of how she used to be um, an homosexual, how she used to live her life that way and now she has changed you know, she has gone through she's going through the process still is because I think it's just something that you have to keep fighting and um, killing your flesh every day, you know that type of life you have to be strong Oh. Let's add that 
to our prayers i think and just everybody who needs help right out there and if you're listening and you struggle with same sex same sex attraction then you're not alone just always engage the ministry of the holy spirit is always there to guide you always 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 and you know it so don't forget the next one is on page 76 mm, 76 right okay our closeness was okay our closeness she's describing the relationship that she had with her girlfriend our closeness was unlike how preachers had described it they said it was unnatural sometimes following it up with a clever rhyme about how Eve made how God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. But for me, their little silly Sam didn't change how good it felt to be near her. What they called strange felt more natural to me than heterosexuality than heterosexuality had ever been. Our entire body made me feel at home in myself. I held her tighter, not wanting it all to fade into a dream again where I was only gay in my sleep. That was the first time that she actually acted on our homosexual impulses. So, here, I, I quoted this. I highlighted it because it's just good to know that when you go into a situation like that, maybe you, you're adventurous, you want to try it out. When you go into something like that, it's not going to be weird, especially for girls. I don't, I can't really speak for boys. It's not going to be weird. Do you understand? It's not. It's kissing. It's sexual attraction. Except, I don't know if there's anybody that's actually tried and just decided that they are not into it. I'm, I don't know. But if you put yourself in a mind, in a place where you want to enjoy it, you will enjoy it. But that's beside the point. This is from the perspective of somebody who has always felt an attraction towards girls since for, for as long as you could remember so it's not something that feels unnatural to you it's just something that comes very natural it's something that has been in, at the back of your mind for as long as possible so of course it's going to feel good especially if you like the person you're attracted to the person that i think that's the point of it you know same-sex attraction so don't go into it thinking it's going to feel unnatural it's not it's, it's not going to feel unnatural Except, you know, you are very yielded to the Holy Spirit and then it's at the back of your mind just telling you, babe, 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 that's my temple. What are you doing? <laughs> the Holy Spirit can be creepy like that. Um, the next page. Um, okay, we have moved on from the realm of um, tiny quotes that I found where she was introducing. We're already getting to the meat of the book. So page 114. We're still talking about the girlfriend now. She was an answered prayer that God forbade me to speak. I loved her, but according to God, our love was no different than death. Why would God want to keep me from this? I thought again, wasn't he love? Shouldn't he understand his best? Especially the ways in which it made it made all of his creatures feel a little more like him every time they were in it. On the other hand, if his love if he was love the embodiment of it without the slightest wrinkle in his robe what love is when devils cannot interfere then all other loves must must have been a lesser love at best could it be that god would not 
have me going about the rest of my life believing that these lesser forms of love were the real thing. Perhaps this love he filled to the brim with was pouring over into his dealings with me and perhaps this love was compelling him on the basis of grace and undeserved love to help me see that every person, place or thing that I loved more than him could not keep his promise to me eternally, nor was my heart created for them to hold, but they would instead do to me what all sin does, separate me from God, and thus true love forever, it will be the death of me. Ah, <laughs> uh, that is beautiful. I find that really beautiful. You will find that beautiful if you actually um accept that God's version of love is what good love is. You know, like um, and you can only accept that is if you have known or if you know and have experienced God's love like if you know the person in the bible you know you know God and you understand how he operates and okay to some extent because we can't know all his ways but you understand him to a large extent especially the past way he has revealed to us especially his love yes he constantly reveals his love to us and his faithfulness to us so if you know that past then this the part I just read will sound really sweet to you if you don't, you still have a, you still have a little bit of work to do. You know, I get more revelation on the love of God. When I became a Christian, or when I started to actively work on my... Well, when God was helping me, because I can't even say I was actively working on it. I was just stumbling through life. But the first thing he did for me was teach me about love. And that was the longest lesson. Like, throughout my entire Christian faith, I keep learning different things. Like, from day to day, or from week to week, from month to month. Yes, excuse me. There are random things that it teaches me on because even in this book, she she I was so glad she mentions that it's not just homosexuality that God saves us from. Like if you struggle with those feelings, that's not the only thing. That's not the only thing that is wrong with you. I don't want to say wrong with you. Okay, if if I were a thief, then I'll say something is wrong with me, right? I steal and I can't help myself, right? But let's not say something is wrong with you. I don't think it sounds very kind. So if you are if you struggle with those feelings and you just didn't feel right in your spirit every time, that's not the only thing that God will have to save you from. People people just always run with it. Like I'll okay, I have all those feelings, then I run with it and make it my entire identity, and that's like the only thing. There's so many things we need saving from. We actively we have to work on our pride. We have to work on humility. We have to work on discernment. We have to work on learning how to pray. We have to work on spiritual warfare. Like our life as Christ ah well see it's just a lot. It's like okay, I'm this really fast, fast person. I'm very fat. I'm saying fast because I'm talking about myself now. I'm, that's not what is real, but I'm trying to describe myself as really fast. Imagine the wildest person you can imagine. And then I decided, okay, I don't want to be this person anymore for, for some reason. I'm really determined to lose weight. And then there's a, there's a piece of cake. There's, there's a piece of cake. And I have a goal, but there's a piece of cake. And I know, I know I shouldn't have a... Maybe not even a piece of cake, an entire cake, in fact. And I know I shouldn't have a... And I'm trying my best. 
every day not to have that piece of cake like that piece of cake is right there i can't avoid it if i turn here it's there <laughs> you know some from time to time i can escape it you know i can distract myself i can focus on god i can focus on my exercises but the piece of cake is there and even if i don't see it you know i can always imagine it or i'm surrounded by stores where i can just go get cake that's what our christian life is we have been called to a life of self-sacrifice you know we have, we have got to a life where we have to live ourselves and give ourselves to god like let your body be a living um sacrifice you know you're my temple all of that and god lives in us and you carry god and god is like the holiest thing on the planet in the entire world and it's holy and he cannot dwell in something that is unholy and because you love god like you love god like you've come to a place where you actually love god like you care you care about his opinion you will have to sacrifice you will have to sacrifice you will have to do it at the end of the day you will just realize that okay i want god it's also in this book i feel like i'm I'm jumping i'm jumping levels here because she says it too that um that piece of cake analogy was completely mine let's give me credit for that clap for me <laughs> but she says that um she she has started to care when she changed her mind about the whole thing and she wanted to live the way god wanted her to live she realized that she was torn because she cared about god now like god was always there somewhere watching and watching her sin but now she was aware that he was watching her and not just aware she actually cared what he thought that's where it hooks you immediately you start to care what god thinks you have been caught my dear he has caught you with his love you have been captured (laughs) from there on if you don't um backslide if you keep experiencing love and you keep letting him work on your spirit and you keep you're very dedicated to your growth you are just going to keep experiencing more and more of his love and to get easier and easier to say no to say, i don't want to say to get easier and easier because i can't promise you that i am not your father <laughs> i can't promise you that i can't say it to be easier but i think you just become more aware of the power that you have in christ to be able to resist temptation and there's, there's a beautiful quote in this book about that. Hold on, hold on. Let me find it. <laughs> but for then, let's, let's, okay. Page 116. Um, if only I could just be straight and lay aside my homosexuality, God will accept me and call me his own. I used to think. This delusion was the belief that only one aspect of my life was worthy of judgment, while the rest deserved heaven. What I was saying previously that my other vices were not as bad they were just struggles that i had to work on instead of repenting hmm. there's a possibility that this kind of self-righteousness thinking self-righteous thinking is why salvation has eluded many same sex attract attracted men and women we will hear them say how they've sought god's help in this matter they have asked him to make them straight and he has according to them denied them the access to this miraculous because god did not take hold of your gay desires and replace them with straight desires they have no other cho- they have no other choice but to follow where their affections may lead the error is this they have come to god believing that only a fraction of themselves needs saving they have therefore neglected to acknowledge the rest of them 
also needs to be made right. It is like coming to God, offering only a portion of your heart for him to have, as if he does not have the right to take hold of, of it all, or as if what has been withheld from him was to sat- was from him can be satisfied without him. A thorough survey of my own heart, led entirely by the Holy Spirit, allowed me to see what I had never seen, that I not only needed freedom from homosexuality, but from all sin, I was politically in need of God. But even still, I didn't know how, I didn't, I didn't know him too well. I didn't know if when I laid my heart bare before him and emptied his content of every form of safety and love I'd ever known, if he would be large enough to fill it up again. I knew that he would fill it with himself. He was so jealous of God not to do so. <laughs> but with that, with all that is the enough. <sighs> what he called idols had been a kind of joy for me. In him would I find in him would I find a better one? Or perhaps would he not merely give me joy, but would he be my joy? That's that's a whole lot. You probably need to read this book. Like you <laughs> you need to read this book. You know, you don't just need saving from one part, you need saving in all parts of your life. Like t- tomorrow or today I I I dealt with patience. Like I was um, telling God to teach me about patience because I feel like I struggle a little bit with patience, but not necessarily patience um, where I'm, um, I'm not I'm not hurt with people, so not patience in that aspect. I was trying to understand. Um, my prayer was basically teach me how, like where, where does my patience and my lack of faith collide? How does what's the difference between me being patient and me actually, um showing that i lack faith in something that you've said to me you know you you are waiting for god to show up for you so you're patient but is it the same i don't know if you people get me i was trying to understand that i wanted to know if but at the end of the day he, he explained it to me i'm just saying that that's just one part and it's not as if i wasn't patient but patience in relation to something else and then patience how in a particular department or you might patient with everybody but you're not patient with one single person and then so many things that you have to walk through in your daily life because you need saving because you need to always experience god's love in order to show god's love to other people there's just there's a lot going on there's a lot going on in your christian life <laughs> now to that quote that i saw that made my day is from c.s lewis and he said listen very well a man who gives in to temptation after five minutes simply does not know what it would have been like an hour later that is why bad people in one sense know very little about badness they have lived a sheltered life by always giving in we never find out the strength of the evil impulse inside us until we try to fight it and christ because he was the only man who never yielded to temptation, is also the only man who knows to the fool to the fool what temptation means. The only complete realist. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> Seeing Jesus from that perspective blew my mind. Like I know that Jesus never fell for anything, and it was it was clean. My guy walking this earth without blemish. And it's cool to think about because that's the only way he was able to save us because he was God and he had to be man too. And so he understands everything that we've been through. And I understand that God knows what I've been through. But, or what I'm going through. 
so it can relate to me but seeing it from this perspective that and i understand that because you know when you want to take something and you just ah i beg i'm just going to take it maybe back to that cake i'm just nah man i'm just going to eat this cake it doesn't matter you do not understand the full the full strength of that particular temptation you only understand the full strength of that particular temptation when you resist all the way because you keep fighting all the minutes all the seconds where you have to say no 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 i'm not taking this but immediately you give up you don't understand the full strength of that particular evil impulse so jesus tempted in every single way that we are being tempted in our own lives was able to resist all of them he was able to fight all of them to the end like to the point where he actually had victory over each and every one of those temptations so he realizes so jesus even understands walking on this earth more than me even, <laughs> even uh, slightly arrogant to, to think that he doesn't understand more than i do but that aside he he understands the whole of temptation you know i was i was i think my my thought was, you know, because he's God and he was tempted and he was able to say no. So he probably doesn't really understand, you know, the entire length of the temptation and then falling for it and then having to get up and all of that. But he struggled a lot. His perseverance is a lot more than mine. That's just what that part was saying. It makes me respect you so much more. <laughs> And it makes me stronger. Yeah. It makes me a lot stronger. Page 125. It felt weird to enter back into the world after meeting God. She had met God here. She was going back to school. She went back to school, actually. Then she saw a very fine girl somewhere. Just two days ago, I was flirting with girls during my lunch break. But now, I knew God was watching. It was not as if he hadn't seen me before. The difference was I actually cared. Remember what I was telling you? Immediately, you start to care about God watching you. You're in trouble. He has your heart. <laughs> At least a tiny portion of it. And that part... Mm, it's going to get bigger. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, 146. The gay community is called that for a reason. It is a community. A collection of people with different names, social statuses, eating habits, upbringing, upbringings, and more. Upbringing, bring. <laughs> upbringings are more but one commonality shared among them that made them all more alike than not their sexuality what was treated with contempt in the world around them was the secret handshake the inside joke the side smirk that confused most but united them the ones who spent their days in the closet came out to play when surrounded by the safety of non-judgmental eyes the free ones who had been fearless enough to tell the folks that that they shared last names with um, about them loving differently than expected were usually the life of the party after the party we all knew it meant we were walking back into the land of heterosexuality where either the closets would shelter us from the burden of honesty or would need to find some measure of courage to simply be who we knew ourselves to be stored femme trade by might have been the different distinctions, distinctive identities that set us apart from one another. Yet, they all carried a single thread that made us all one. We were gay together. 
So to leave that community for another one was terrifying, especially when the transition was being made into a community that seemed to be everything but safe. She was moving from the gay community to the Christian community now. But the group of Christians I began to know and enjoy were those that did more for me than the gay community could ever have done. They showed me God. The community I called home for a season of my life were all full of laughter and what I'd labeled life. But the reality was that my gay community was indeed lifeless. They were what I had been, dead. They were still like image bearers, still friends. They, they still mattered. I still loved them, but God loved but I loved God more. They could not help me love who they did not know themselves. The difference between the gay community and Christian community was not skill, in, intellect, comfort, humor, or beauty. It was that in one in one and not the other, God dwelt. Okay? Um I think I highlighted it. I highlighted that because it's very important for us to have a sense of community. You know, just have people that you know that okay, you people share some things with and it's just nice to be part of the community so and with the the tons of affronts that um gay people have always experienced throughout history it's very natural for them to form a community so that they can have each other's one another's backs so i was trying to teach about the the need for a sense of community it's just important so, but now I read far because she had to, she had to distinguish between being the gay community and being a Christian community and she liked the Christian community more. I don't know about liked, but she, she preferred the Christian community more because they taught her about God. Um, the next one is on page 169. To leave her, talking about the girlfriend again, to leave her us our love made no sense apart from the divine doing of god she was both my woman and my idol an unqualified god without an ounce of deity she was the i jesus said to gorge out and the right hand he commanded us to cut off in matthew 5 29 30. though it was as painful as the extreme act of removing a part of the body it was better for me to lose her than to lose my soul it must have been so hard. It must have been so hard. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't think this when I was reading the book. I didn't think to say sorry. I just I just thought um as Christians, again, that cake analogy in our different lives you just after a while you just realize that there are just different things that you have to cut out of your life or at least minimize you know exercise self-control because you don't want to offend god and more than that self you don't want to compromise yourself you know at, at the end of the day it's about god so have to discipline yourself you have to do that but you also have help don't forget that you always have help you know, you always have help. You always have the Holy Spirit. It's hard. It's hard though. It's really hard. <laughs> it's really hard. <laughs> so funny. It's really hard. But I'll pray for you. If you are, you know, in that situation. I'll pray for you. Um, The next one is on 
page 171 okay this one i wanted to i didn't own anything you'd buy in women's sections nor did i really want to but i wore what i had until i could afford to buy what i what would honor what i was so emphasis on what would honor what i was because i felt like when after this particular place that i read she said to say where she had to go and buy bras and buy female clothes and I said to realize that that's a very personalized dealing. There are something there are some things that are doctrines of the church. Like as Christians, we should be very alike in the way we think, like our mindset and our views about God. But we should also have we also have personalized dealings because we are different people and God likes to tailor our his teachings. You know, the doctrines would then be tailored to sometimes how we see the world and um, the lens that have been given to us from our childhood. Sometimes we need to completely swap it out, and sometimes we just have to adjust some things. So your experiences will come in different ways. Personalized dealings, you get. So here, when she said talking about the clothes, I felt like we were already going to the realm of personalized dealings. But that part where she said about she had to buy things that honor her body, I think that is that is something that we need to underline wear things that will honor your body you know like it can be you can look what will honor my body might not honor your own body so wear things that will honor your body um page 169 i think we read that yeah page 211 now a husband this let this point both of them are poets and they were first friends then they said to like each other and then they told each other they liked each other then immediately she you know she dealt with fatherlessness like a absent father and sexual assaults when she was quite young so she never really trusted men she didn't get to points where she got to trust a man so immediately they confessed their feelings to each other she said to you know you know that thing now like girls like this is you know when you when you you're being friends with somebody, you're hiding your feelings from them, and it's all good, it's all fine. Until you tell them your feelings, and people decide to like each other, and then you start to panic. Like, you just start to panic because now they can watch you. Now you have to trust them. Now you've given them your heart, and the things that they can do or say can actually hurt you. So you're terrified. <laughs> so she was scared. She was scared, and she said some mean things to him. She said, um, that she doesn't even know why she's in a relationship with him because she wishes she was with the girl. So she said that. Then they didn't speak for a while. So she went somewhere, she cried, she prayed. Then he texted her, I love you. <laughs> that was the only text. She thought she had messed it up with this guy. Like she thought she had, like, excuse me. <laughs> but he texted her, I think it was days later though. Texted her, I love you. Just right, she was still right there where she was praying. He didn't say anything, he just said, I love you. I think that's sweetest. So, still, they have not had a conversation, but they went for this poetry thing and he wrote this poem and delivered it on stage. Let me read it for you. The air was April. We were friends back then, with no worries or expectations between us, just chemistry we only talked about with our body language. Both poets with tongues so sharp you would never guess they were made from the same flesh we daily died to. We always had our way with words, but we never took advantage of them. 
we respected the art form of poetry god placed in our hearts as if we were literally as if we could literally feel king david's blood galloping through our veins i would miss those mornings when we arose from our slumber drained from the previous night when we talked the moon to sleep and the stars grew tired of our company how we manandled our moments together and how our dominant personalities coexisted well like two humble kings at a feast respect being the cornerstone of the relationship this was us in retrospect this was us before our true feelings shot from our hearts flew out our mouths and landed in each other's lives like two beautiful missiles we didn't quite know what to do like two beautiful missiles we didn't quite know what to do with Admiring the way they were well constructed, but fearing that they might explode at any time to blow off the limbs of our emotions. I knew because I knew because our relationship brought out the war in our our hearts became a battlefield, our tongue turned into a shield, and our eyes were swords that cut deep with every stare. A warrior like behavior shook the marrow out of my bones, confused about how I became the enemy in the matter of months, started to question our love for me. And then one day the Lord spoke and said, Preston, if you had been wounded in battle too many times to count, you would have adopted some guerrilla war type tactics too. I'm calling you to love her, not like you, but like me. <laughs> it sounds cute. Uh, but I also want to run. Like, is that, that's not normal, right? I feel like that love is it's quite intense. It's quite intense. It's the love that you know I hope for, but with with more. I, I don't know if she was ever attracted to him because she said she liked him, but she was not attracted to him. But I think the attraction must have grown later on. I hope that's what happened. But I I like a relationship where we both love God and we can talk about things like this and we find each other attractive. You know, so that. Ah. ah at the moment eh, ladies and gentlemen romantic relationships are potential idols for me so i'm staying off them yeah that's why i'm not dating if anybody cares to, to know that's why i'm not dating i get in trouble in romantic relationships and i feel like i forget god when i'm in a romantic relationship a lot so until I learn how to not make God jealous when I'm in a relationship until he has all my heart and I know that for sure then I can't I can't do it and if I ever get to the point where I can actually decide that this is not something I'll ever be able to do like I'll not be able to give myself fully to God and also give myself fully to somebody else because I'm quite one track minded sometimes so sometimes that's a good thing but sometimes not really um at least not, so far it hasn't been with my relationship with god and romantic relationships so if i can't handle that then i'm just going to have to stay celibate so it sounds sad but i don't think i'm so sad i'm also very spoiled in the in the fact that i don't think i want anybody in my house <laughs> But sometimes I just want somebody to hug me. <laughs> Get it together. Oh, God. Moving on, ladies and gentlemen. Moving on. 
Page 229. Um, do you know why we have a hard time believing that a gay girl can become a completely different creature? Because we had we have a hard time believing God. I'm just going to leave that there for you. If you don't want to believe the miracle, that's your palaver. You don't believe God. Ah, I'm not judging you because I also questioned it a little bit. Like, um, why? How? You know, she said she had always had those feelings. So, how? How was she able to change it? Not even change it. It's from a lot of self-discipline, my dear. A lot of self-discipline, a lot of help from God. And also, altogether, with the entire rap, not trying to dissect or take from it, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. A lot of people don't have this. A lot of people don't even have the strength to actually persevere to handle this. But she's quite brave. I'm very proud of her. Very proud of her. Page 338. So the burden of SSA Christians. SSA is sex, same-sex attracted Christians. When it comes to identity, is not to learn more about themselves or to become a better you as an entry into self-empowerment. It is to renew the mind so that men and women begin seeing themselves in the light of who God has revealed himself to be so that they can glorify him in the ways he commanded. To say that a little more, a little less, I don't know. Let's go to page 110. I know now what I didn't know then. God was not calling me to the streets. He was calling me to himself. The choice to lay aside sin and take hold of holiness was not synonymous with heterosexuality. She's saying there. When God calls you, okay, sometimes, you know, when you're focused on one sin, um, like, let's, this, this part now, you're focused on homosexuality, and you want to change, you start to feel like, okay, homosexuality is bad, God doesn't want it, what do I do? And then you start to do the opposite of it, you start to focus too much on heterosexuality. You will most likely end up making an idol of heterosexuality just like you did homosexuality. What God is asking you to do is face me first. Okay? Holiness is not the same thing as heterosexuality. Holiness is me. So face me first. By me, I mean God. You know, not me. You just die. You go to hell. Face <laughs> me. Well, hopefully not because um, I reflect the light of God. So, But still, the way is Jesus, not me. So, don't just make the mistake of thinking that when God calls you from a life of sin, He's calling you to the opposite of your sin. Well, the opposite of your sin is Him, but as a as you as a human, you get carried away with perfectionism or wanting to do the exact opposite of the things that you used to before. You know, and you get very hyper with it, and you probably overdo and put yourself in more trouble. So just face God, let Him help you little by little. It's just put baby steps, baby steps, take baby steps, and then before you know, you're a full born adult Christian, eating the meat of the gospel, dissecting it, teaching other people. I mean, look at me now, boldly speaking. <laughs> I'm so happy about Africa. <laughs> um, page 269. 
Frustration and discouragement leads some into considering unbelief and all that it has to say about what they are to do. Unbelief, just like Satan, will always take the easy way out. It will tell you to eat the fruit in exchange for knowledge instead of fearing God to gain real wisdom. Sorry. Unbelief unravel our perceptions of both suffering and blessedness of life and beckon us to skip self-denial at all costs with the false promises of comfort that can't extend beyond the grave. And for so many others, unbelief has convinced them that they can serve both God and homosexuality, both God and flesh, both sin and Savior. For this, we know it's impossible. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. 1 John 3, 9 The Christian that deals with SSA should never look for another way to obey God that is outside the will of God. For we know that just as it was his will for Jesus to be crucified, it is also his will for all to abstain from all forms of sexuality that are not in accordance with the scriptures. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 So don't try to say... I'm going to read a book soon, but I think by the time you listen to this particular episode, the other one should be out, where I'll read a book that shows... I don't know the title of the book yet. I think God and the Gay Christian. I think that should be it. Um, It talks about like the defense to say that being gay is biblical yeah i don't know what it's going to say but i'm quite i want to know what defense is if i read any story about lot again i will break somebody's head (laughs) kidding nobody's head head is getting broken but i feel like that's going to be i'm reading an islamic book or that was what i read today and it it should be up to the episode for it should be up um, it's, it's it kept talking about lots. Ah, oh, so exhausted. Then <laughs> moving on, you know, don't you have to you have to deny yourself. You want things. Hmm. Just think about like life normally. People who achieve things always sacrifice a lot. Think about the person people who win races. Think about the amount of sacrifice they have to do. I hope you do, you know that you have to win something, you know, you have to think of, um, a goal that extends, that extends beyond your life. Many people don't think of life that way. If you don't think of life that way, then you don't even see the point of God. I don't, I don't know where to help you. Well, I do know, I know how to help you, but it's not today. And it's not in this episode. Read your Bible. Oh, that's like a very... Well, there's a lot of things. Talk to a Christian around you. I think that would be the first step. Not just any Christian. Not just any Christian. Like a Christian that you know that, okay, the Holy Spirit's alive and walking in them. Those are the people you talk to. And I'm sure you can see it. It's, we are not very... We are not hard to find. The light is always shining around us. So, just find one of those. Page 269. Okay, we read that. And the final one, page 278. Oh, it's not the final one. I'm sorry. 
the heterosexual gospel beware of people who preach the heterosexual gospel is one that encourages ssa men and women to come to jesus so that they can be straight or that coming to jesus ensures that they will be sexually attracted to the opposite sex the ways in which this gospel is preached is much more subtle than i've made it to be it usually sounds like i know you're struggling with being gay I can promise you, if you give your life to Jesus, it will completely deliver you from those desires because he loves you. Or, I know a guy that used to be gay and now he's married. Jesus will do the same for you. I'm sorry. It's not funny. <laughs> that part about the guy being I'm not belittling the the miracle, but it's just don't don't uh, you can trust God for a miracle, but also trust like prepare to put in the work. Okay, like that person that got married, like <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Don't don't prepare for an easy road. That's what I'm trying to say. Don't. You'll be wasting your time. Well, uh, God works in different ways, though. But I don't know. Just don't prepare yourself for an easy road, and don't let your, you know, the miracle of being saved so much be what drives you totally to God. He wants to love you, so allow yourself to be loved. Um, God surely can deliver someone completely of SSA, and God definitely can take an ssa man or woman and turn them into a spouse to the opposite sex i'm obviously a witness of that but the scriptures have not explicitly promised these as definite gifts for being reconciled to god or as the immediate inherited blessing of regeneration in hopes of encouraging ssa individuals um for those who are seeking to love them well here are four reasons to avoid the heterosexual gospel we are more than our sexuality we are complicated complex complex not complicated complex beings but we are more than our sexuality marriage is not the pinnacle of christian faith singleness is not a curse i think that's the end of it and at the last she makes a note it's important to note that sexual abuse is not what made me gay she was sexually abused but she says it's not what made her gay nor did fatherlessness nor the fact that you know she didn't father was not around a lot they only exaggerated and helped direct the path for which was already there, which is sin. Remember at the beginning when I said, you know, we have um, made of God, so we have the capacity um, to show compassion and logic. But then we are inherently broken because we came from Adam. So she's saying here that she had always had sin, you know, like we all always have sin. And the gayness did not come from the fact that she was fatherless or that she was sexually abused. It was it just helped it, you know. It amplified it. Yeah. Made her run the opposite made her even run faster, yeah, in the opposite direction. Away from men. And that is everything. That's my note. Thank you very much for listening. I love you. Bye.